There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Eureka, the show that we'll be coming up with a new tagline very soon. And in fact, have you got another one to road test? After yeah, yeah, the... yeah. So how about... Mm. Eureka, the show that puts science in a headlock. No? <laughs> that is that is much, much worse than last week's. Last week's was uh, that gives science its weekly bath. Yeah. But that is leaps and bounds ahead of... It's sort of put you know, sci- no, I know what sci- a headlock is. <laughs> It's not that like I don't understand it. Maybe rubs its head it's a little bit. It's crap. Oh, okay. All right. So I'm just... You know, rubs I'm just its riffing. head a bit. <laughs> I'm just riffing. Put science in a headlock. They say there's no such thing as a bad idea. We're just... What well, you're proving, that's wrong. <laughs> just imagine, if we were doing a live event, how embarrassed you would be. It would be me that'd have to say it as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm Hi, not... welcome to Eureka, the show that puts science in a headlock. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's muttering. No, it's not. No? It's not going to be that. All right, all right. Still a weekly bath then? Yeah, I guess at the minute we're stuck with weekly bath. (laughs) Terrible. Every week we invite a new expert to help us answer one of science's most interesting questions as decided by us. I'm Rick Edwards. And I'm Dr Michael Brooks. Today's episode I think will be a fun one. We're talking about clever creatures. Oh, like animal intelligence? Animal intelligence, yes. Is your diet about to get a bit more restricted? Well, this is the thing because... uh, it, it, I mean, my my, <laughs> my my sort of policy on eating animals is all over the place. Partly, it is dictated by, do I think the animal is intelligent? Yeah. But I think that maybe is only the case for the octopus. It's only the octopus <laughs> Yeah, because you eat pigs, concession. don't you? I eat pigs. Yeah. Pigs are clever. Cows, I don't think, are particularly clever, are I they? I think they're clever enough clever not enough to eat them. They shouldn't be eating them. Yeah. 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 Although, well, anyway. I'm thinking this year I might just eat octopus. What? I, I sort of feel like, you know, if you're eating bacon, then I should eat octopus. I think that's, that's sort that of like... can't a, be how it works. That's like a karmic balance to the universe, isn't it? The only thing I would say in... F- and I don't like this, but the only thing I would say in favour of eating the octopus... They're is delicious. That they, well, yes, delicious, and there's, there's loads of them. Like, there's yeah. no shortage of, yeah. of, of octopuses. Yeah, we're not having a problem they, eating squid, are we? breed really quickly. No, and I, I do wonder about that. And cuttlefish, cuttlefish. And stuff. I don't eat cuttlefish because I've I've sort of written about them and because you're not a budgie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Such a vivid recollection of having no idea what that what thing a cuttlefish is. Yeah, yeah, looked yeah. like. Just thinking, what? How is that from an animal? <laughs> like, <laughs> I the, do as well. We had, we had a, furiously we had a budgie, and it had a and I had, yeah. had no idea that a cuttlefish was anything other than a bit of no, white, exactly. sort of weird stuff in no. a cage. Yeah, yeah. 
And also, why do budgies like that? How, how, how do we figure out that a budgie that would never, ever interact with That's an amazing question. ...likes the cuttle bone, or whatever it is? I mean, it's, it's nuts. I mean, you know we're going what to have to go away cycle and like, yeah. research this now. What else did we try and feed budgies? Like, genuinely, like, well, oh, presumably, fuck. we went through squid beaks. Yeah, I mean, must, must have, have done. done. Octopus yeah. beaks. But then why were we looking at just sort of hard parts of mollusks anyway? <laughs> what would make you think? Like, they've, they fucking seeds <laughs> how are you getting from seeds to cuttlefish must, is it an australian thing is that what i mean budgies come from australia don't they on the, uh, the yeah. southern hemisphere sort yeah. of yeah and then maybe but there's then, a lot of cuttlefish bones on the beach somebody saw a budgie eating one <laughs> like hold on the cut i i don't i don't know this but i don't think that australian beaches are just like littered with cuttle bones <laughs> Actually, are they definitely called cuttle bones? I don't, I don't know. know. I've sort of said it with a bit of confidence, There's and so now, much I'm, to now I'm doubting here. myself. But none of this is what we're talking about today, no. right? If anyone, genuinely, if you'd like to get in touch with the show, if you've got any idea how and why we've ended up feeding cuttlefish, uh, what is that bit even called? I'm calling the, it a cuttle bone. I like cuttle, bone. cuttle bones. Fine. With it. Yeah, yeah. How that happened, I would be, uh, I'd, I'd really love to know. Yeah. So, uh, and I don't want to just have to Google it. So get in touch with the show. <laughs> at Eureka Pod. At Eureka Pod. So just to get back to what we are going to be talking about right. is animal intelligence and specifically which animal is the smartest. Oh, nice. Okay. I suspect this is a bad question. Are you, are you, are you going to do a I, ranking or? I think uh, we'll have a go. We'll have All a right. go. Good. Yeah. I like it. When you think of intelligent animals, you might think of a pig, a crow, Perhaps even Dr. Michael Brooks. Unlikely. We've all heard that chimpanzees can make tools, dolphins use complex communication, and elephants have remarkable memories. But what really determines a clever animal? How can we distinguish smarts from instinct? And how accurate are our methods of testing animals? Spoiler, they're not sitting exams. Let's find out which species really reigns supreme as the world's most intelligent animal. Obviously, I'm rooting for the octopus. Got an expert for us this week? Hey, I have. I mean, I was pretty happy to take this myself. <laughs> but I'm prepared to accept that there are people out there who know more about this than me. For example, uh, Marta Helena. So she is an associate professor and researcher at the Department of History and Philosophy of Science at the University of Cambridge, which is a course that I did for, I think, just a term, HPS, History and Philosophy of Science. Absolutely brilliant. Best course did I did. Don't know oh. why I didn't carry on with it. Can't, actually cannot remember. It's one of my favourite things is history and philosophy of science. It's yeah, like yeah. Most of what I write, in fact, tend I tend to sort of be trying to crowbar all my writing towards that because I think it's the most interesting part of yeah, science. Because so much of it is um what the fuck were scientists thinking <laughs> when they did this <laughs> or this or this? Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> Some yeah. mad things. Um Anyway, so that's uh, at Cambridge. She's also a fellow of uh, Selwyn College there. And she's a senior research fellow in the Kinds of Intelligence programme at the Leverholm Centre of the Future of Intelligence, which just sounds cool. And it does sound like she's more of an expert than you are. Yes, yes, potentially. Um, So the first thing to do is have a discussion about what we mean by intelligence. And that, as I think you probably know, is not easy. Like, it's a really um, contentious and slippery concept. Yeah. Um, And even just sort of, it's just kind of obvious. It's in day-to-day life. You will know people who are really, really smart in some senses and then absolutely 
dozy and others. Yeah. And yeah. so how would you... So it kind of depends on which facet of intelligence you're yeah. testing, whether you'd say they're clever or not. And I mean, it's like sort of saying... Who's more intelligent, me or you? Mm, yeah, but that's a that's an easy one, though. Is it though? I think it might Ooh, be. Well, what's your answer to that? <laughs> yeah. I'm going. I'm going to surprise me. I'm going to go me because <laughs> <laughs> you've got to have confidence. <laughs> but actually, like, if, you were, if you were going to do, if you were going to test that, what would you? Well, that's how the interesting you, thing. How would you go about it? Because so, for example, IQ test, as it happens. I'm quite good at those things. I bet, yeah, yeah. I don't think that has any particular bearing. Like, it's quite a specific yeah. sort of skill set. Almost. Yeah, I'm not, I, I would te- freely say that I have certain things that I'm really good at and certain yeah. things I'm pretty dumb at, Yeah, to be honest. Yeah. And, and but that's what I that's don't most mind people. That. I'm absolutely comfortable with that. Mm. And, and some things are my, you know, like, there's visual stuff that I don't get. There's lo- loads of stuff that, that, you know, you would say, oh, a creative mind would... would you know, would totally get this and yeah. I don't get it. And I'm sort of like, okay, fine. Mm. But I do get other stuff and I can make connections and I can mm. find, you know, interesting mm. patterns in, in especially in text and words and stories and everything else. So it's just a different kind of intelligence yeah. and, and probably very different from you. Like if, if, I mean, uh, this is a thought experiment yeah. that I would love to do, mm-hmm. but you know, if you and I were on the series Taskmaster, yeah. I don't know who would do it best. Well, I think I'd be funnier, um, <laughs> but I think yeah, I can imagine you being good on it. Can you? Because I yeah, because I think I lose confidence when I think about. it. I think no, I'm gonna I'm gonna oh, look terrible on that. Yeah, because it's about sometimes it's about lateral thinking and about that kind of. But actually, confidence is quite is maybe the most important thing on that yeah. show. Just decide what you're going to do and then go for it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and go for it. Sort of. Yeah, you have full throttle. Yeah, exactly. Because if you're a bit sort of tentative and like, oh, I don't know about no, this, that, then that. That doesn't Nobody really wants work. to watch that. You want no. you, you want people to lean into their stupidity. Oh, so maybe I'm doing better than you then. Mm. Anyway, yeah, 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 be interesting. But it's a, it's a, you know, it's like, oh, okay, you know, it depends how you measure intelligence, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, lateral thinking is just a sort of one small part yeah. of it, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. But then when you start to think about animals, um, you might find, you know, an animal that can engage in in tool use, and that's something that we always um, kind of think, oh, well, that's that's interesting, yeah. Because that's something that we do, and that is the. And then it might not be able to sort of, you know, get around a barrier to access some some food. So you're like, oh, okay, well, it's using tools, but it can't do that. I don't yeah. really know what to make of that. But the the thing that really holds back or limits our assessment of animals' intelligence, I think, is that we just do it through the framework of our specific type of intelligence. Yes, yeah, of course. And what you really need to look at is how well suited the animal is to its niche so we have exploited our niche and in fairness now shape our niche so it it has sort of gone beyond that yeah um but most other animals aren't doing that and so they're well adapted so their their intelligence is adapted to what they need so when we're comparing intelligence are we going to say it's about intelligence applied to the niche that they're in. Well, that yeah, but then then how do you sort of compare oh, one? It's got, it's got one niche very that, fast. Yeah, it is because you're like, okay, well, this this thing is really well adapted to its niche, which is totally different to this other creature's niche. Yeah, but that is also very well adapted, and I have no idea how to compare the two. Yeah, so you're kind yeah. of looking for, you're always looking for standardized tests. Yeah, and with animals, it's really difficult, particularly if. You've got a situation where you, you you think you've come up with a standardized test, 
But then when you really think about <laughs> what you're asking the animal to do, if it doesn't have any sort of ecological sort of necessity for the animal, like why would it do it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, so you, it, you can't get a crow to like, oh, disguise yourself as a rock on the ocean floor. Yeah. Obviously, it's not going to yeah. be able to do that. Yeah, and, 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 and why would it? And then, I mean, and that, that specifically, that sort of... Uh, I live underwater. I live in yeah, yeah, yeah. But obviously that, that, that kind of an extreme very example. Hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's or or just like a dolphin. Um, is a dolphin going to respond to pointing? And I think they sort of can actually. But so maybe that's a bad example. But something that doesn't have limbs, digits. Yeah, point, it's not, like yeah, yeah. The, the, the pointing test, which is quite a standard one. What the fuck does that mean? Yeah. Like, wh why would you expect it to understand that? It, it wouldn't be any. Wouldn't be of any benefit to it and and then you sort of you know there's a really interesting discussion as you can imagine around dogs and cats yeah so yeah. which yeah are dogs smarter than cats or, or or vice versa and what muddies the water quite a lot there is that cats have only been domesticated for it's like a few thousand years whereas dogs have been with humans for maybe 30,000 years. Right. And so dogs are just much more in tune with humans and therefore just respond a bit better to humans. And cats are sort of slightly, as you know, just a bit take you or leave you. Diffident. But, but I mean, not... I think that makes the cats a bit smarter. Yeah, I mean, dogs possibly. are a bit dumb I mean, in, in many well, respects. Some, some dogs are, some dogs are pretty smart, I think. There are some collies, aren't there? True, that, yeah, that yeah, very, yeah. That are very smart. Um so, so yeah, before we even start talking about any individual animals, you can see this is quite a fraught. Yeah, you can see we're getting um, nowhere. Yeah, <laughs> fundamentally. I'm almost certain that the conclusion of this episode is going to be, bad question, you can't do it. But let's talk it through anyway. <laughs> so there's a few things that we, we generally look for when we're thinking about accomplished animal cognition. And so flexibility in terms of behaviour. So novelty in, in behavior responding to a new situation we think is an indicator of, of being quite smart being able to employ some form of logic maybe and then planning so any, anything that suggests that you're not just living totally because for, for years and years actually animals certainly in the, in the kind of i think like 19th century were just sort of written off as just being quite dumb Totally, just live in the moment. Yeah, passive, and, and just, you know, just sort of, just, it's parts just of like, just sort of, almost mechanical, really, yeah. without any kind of inner, inner life. But actually, you do see animals that can definitely plan or have some sort of foresight. So they, they, they exhibit behaviours where, you're like, well, you can only be doing this because you have some understanding that in the future this might benefit yeah. you. Yeah, and that's that's quite sophisticated. Yeah, because it sort of requires projection into the future in some way. So this is obviously what Marta spends her time thinking about. So I asked her how you define intelligence. Intelligence is a difficult concept to define, in part because it has many definitions and informal connotations in our everyday speech. One thing that the psychologist Robert Sternberg has said is that there seem to be almost as many definitions of intelligence as experts asked to define it. Um, so with that in mind, I'll define intelligence as it's used in the field of comparative cognition, which is the field I work in. So comparative cognition is a discipline that's dedicated to comparing the behavioral and mental abilities of animals, like uh, chimpanzees, crows, bees, and octopuses. And in this field, 
there is a trend in the way that researchers define intelligence. So they tend to define intelligence in terms of behavioral flexibility. And broadly, behavioral flexibility is the ability to flexibly achieve one's goal in a changing or novel environment. So that's how it's generally defined in this field. Yeah, I think that's, that's actually, you know, I mean, not to patronise the experts, I think that's actually quite a good direction to go in, isn't it? Yeah. Not some yeah. absolute measure of like, oh, you know, how clever you are with tools or anything mm. else, but, but, you know, how well do you respond to changes around you? You know, it's, it's almost like, you know, when you when you grow up, become mm. a grown up, you start like taking a raincoat out on the day when it might rain, sort of thing. And it's it's like you know you've got the flexibility. It's a sort of a marker of of thinking things through. Yeah, yeah, and, and I do think that sort of sense of self sense of self control self control is something that gets that they try and test um, across species as a, again as a as a marker. How do you, so how do so you do that? effectively, it's like. Um, present a let's say a crow because crows have been experimented on quite a lot yeah. and, and and they're smart all of the corvid family are, are smart um so you kind of present it with a small bit of food um but if it takes that small bit of food it doesn't get more food later or even you can give it and this is quite cool you can give it a choice where you say here's a little bit of food or here is a tool that you will later be able to use to get out, prize open a box which has more food. Yeah. And if you have, you would say, if you have no self-control, then you just eat the bit of food that's in front of you. That's me. And yeah, uh, no, I th- it looks like you're eating a large bit of food. <laughs> um, uh, or, but if you have self-control, you figure out the better thing to do is take the tool for now and then when the, when the box is presented, then you can get in and, and eat it. And, and that is what right. crows tend to do, which is quite cool. Yeah. Um, and, and you can... You can test that stuff with other species, but it's a bit, I don't know. I, I don't find it that convincing. Like the, I think with the, with the crows, yeah, fine. But I think there's some other animals where I'm not sure that really works yeah. as well. It reminds me of when we did that episode on why do good people do bad things. Mm. It talked about the rats that wouldn't eat stuff if their eating meant that their other fellow rats got harmed. So you remember that setup yeah, where they yeah, were getting yeah, an electric yeah, shock? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like load of rats got an electric shock yeah. if this one rat ate something that was in front yeah. of it. And once it realised that, it didn't eat the thing that was in front of it. And it's sort of that that's quite an intelligent mm. response, isn't it? And 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 evidence of, of being a social animal yeah, as well. Yeah. Where yeah, fine, there's a temptation to kind of think, well, everything's just individualistic and looks after itself and tries to, you know, like continue its its yeah. gene lineage yeah. but actually there it's, it's like a community minded approach yeah. isn't yeah. it yeah so it is interesting that kind of sense of like a crow sort of thinking things through in terms and it is thinking things through i'm not well, yeah, i'm not anthropomorphizing no i that. don't I although it, we we do anthropomorphize horribly in, yeah, in, okay, in this except, area yeah yeah um but it is definitely having some kind of thought process where it is working out if it leaves this thing, a better thing can can happen. Yeah. But then crows are crows are right in there for me in terms of most intelligent animals. And what I like about crows is I I just think we we had no idea. Like I think birds birds yeah. generally have just been totally written off as being well like bird brains. Yeah, and like because di- they've got small they're brains. Dinosaurs effectively aren't yeah, they? Yeah, like but, small brain dinosaurs. Yeah. And, and people just like well you you can't be smart. 
like brain nothing like a mammalian brain so presumably can't do any of the things that that a mammalian brain like yeah. ours can but actually that proves to not be the case so they have quite sophisticated communication loads of examples of it one my favorite is there's a there's a guy who's done loads of experiments with crows and sometimes you know you're sort of capturing these crows and and they experiment and they don't like they don't really like it and when you release them when they see him again they're like trying to attack him but it's not (laughs) just the ones who he's experimented on they've basically spread the word They've been Whoa. like, that guy is a prick. Don't trust that guy. <laughs> so, and they're like, and we don't really know how they're communicating that, but yeah. they are. Yeah, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's great. Yeah. Wasn't there an experiment where somebody like everyone wore a mask of that guy? Yeah. It's just coming back to my mind. It's like, yeah, exactly. If you, if that you wore I mean, a that mask, was with New Caledonian crows, I think. Yeah. If you wore a mask of the face, like with the face of that, of, of the experimenter, on, you got attacked. You got attacked, and if you didn't, you're all right. Yeah, they're like, well, no. How many times we don't like this guy, <laughs> and we've told everyone. <laughs> Gangsters. All right, so so there's the kind of obvious sort of tool use and and delayed gratification kind of thing Mm -hmm, what mm -hmm. other experiments do you do to test animal intelligence so there's quite a cool sort of string pulling one that has been done with lots of again lots of birds actually where if you pull a string and you can do this with actually all sorts of animals you Mm. pull a string and basically elevate up a thing that has food in it and think about how a bird is going to do that fairly tricky because it doesn't have you have to basically pull it and then hold the and then hold it so it doesn't go slack and then pull it some more and yeah. then hold that and then so each time you're sort of gathering up the slack um and so birds will sort of do this by using their their beak to pull and then trapping the string under their under their feet and then pulling and see that already sounds to me like if i saw a bird do that i'd lose my mind yeah but i mean they're they're, they're doing it and it's a really interesting result where they did this with some German scientists, did it with bullfinches, which we'll talk about after the break. And when we get back, we'll discuss the ways that scientists try and measure intelligence. Obviously, we'll talk a bit more about the octopus. Obviously. And we will try and answer uh, today's question, what is the most intelligent animal? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And we're back. So these German scientists got a load of bullfinches and did the the string pulling test. So you've got food in this kind of cylindrical container and if they pull the string enough times and and, and gather up the slack, then they can eat the food. So you need... To, I feel like talk, I know humans who would fail that test, by the definitely. way. Definitely. It's all sort of like quite low-rent uh, crystal maze stuff. Really. <laughs> um, and you, you obviously you need to have a, a series of coordinated actions yeah. in order to achieve this. And it's similar to, you know, birds dropping stones into water so that eventually the level of the water yeah. rises up and then there's food on the top and, yeah. and, and crows can do that. Yeah. Um, and that's sort of open to interpretation. 
does a crow therefore have some sort of understanding of uh physics so they will they, they certainly figure out that it's better to drop something in that sinks than something that is buoyant yeah um but is it just a kind of trial and error thing but even if it is, I would yeah. argue that's exactly what we yeah. would do. Let, let's not use that's, the word just. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah. Because yeah. you know, yeah. basically How did we experimented. Learn yeah, yeah, exactly. You've experimented <laughs> yeah. and found something that yeah. works. Yeah, exactly. They're running an experiment. They're like, okay, this is the way that yeah. I get this level up. Again, I know people who would have walked away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I guess I'm going hungry can't be, done. can't be done. Anyway, the point of this bullfinch experiment is that not all of the bullfinches could do it. So uh, a quarter of them could do it first time, and then a quarter of them learned to do it by watching the ones that could do it, and then half of them never got it. And so what that shows is just like within human intelligence, there's variation. Right, yeah, yeah. Because, of course, I mean, I'm thinking, when we talk about crows or bullfinches, I'm thinking all crows. Yeah, yeah, there's an absolute. But no, you're going to have smart crows and then dense crows. Yeah. You can have some crows that are thick as shit. Yeah. And you can have some really, really clever ones. Like and, and they're gonna almost certainly sit on a bell curve. Yeah, yeah. Just like everything else. That's amazing to think yeah. about, isn't it? Yeah. There's like dumb crows. And I wonder if the dumb crows know that they're dumb crows. Of course they don't. Yeah. <laughs> the dumb people know that they're dumb. No, Very rarely. True. They have to be told. <laughs> Repeatedly. <laughs> and I think the thing that bothers me about all of these tests that have been done is just whether they are whether they're accurate and whether they are measuring what we think they're measuring and so i asked marta that so researchers work incredibly hard to make sure that the conclusions they draw from animal cognition studies are accurate but animals make this difficult um, because they're clever and so sometimes they find easy solutions to problems that the researchers didn't anticipate so researchers have to work really hard to ensure that an animal is not cheating on the exam, so to speak. This is often illustrated with the example of Clever Hans. This was a horse who became famous in the early 20th century because he had this ability to answer questions on a wide range of topics. He's known for answering questions in mathematics, but also music theory and reading German. He responded to questions by tapping his hoof, nodding and shaking his head or pointing to, to objects with his nose to um, indicate answers to questions. But incredibly, Hans's answers were often correct. Um, so eventually, the biologist and psychologist Oscar Fungst discovered that Hans was answering questions correctly, um, not because he understood them and knew the answers, uh, but rather because he was picking up on social cues from the questioner or audience members, so people observing um, him answering questions. So for example, he would notice very slight changes in the posture of audience members and use this as a cue that the number just announced was the correct one. So the general lesson that researchers have taken from Clever Hans is that they just have to be extremely vigilant to ensure that an animal is not somehow cheating on the exam. But then, that's quite uh, clever to my to mind, cheat, yeah, cheating it? on the exam is is itself smart. Like, I don't think the clever hands is not clever. Yeah. Because he's very in tune with... Social the, cues. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which is important. Yeah. And and useful to him because he knows that humans have power over him and they, they feed him and water him and they take him out, you know, all that kind of stuff. So you want to make sure that they're, they're pleased with you. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, again, I sort of come back to this point that 
with clever hands. You're sort of asking him questions that he might ask a person to try and establish whether they were smart. And it's just the wrong thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Like it doesn't, it, it doesn't matter. Like, of course, Hans can't speak German. I mean, I know that animals, because I did this in when I wrote um, The Maths That Made Us, yeah. animals can count up to three, basically, and humans untrained only count up to three. And then four, and four is a cultural thing, like you know, we learn to count beyond three, mm. but actually animals can distinguish between one, two and three things. But if you give them four things, they can't really show a preference for four rather than three. So and then it becomes a ratio of size. So, so mm. if you give them a pile that's sort of you know significantly bigger than another one, they'll go for the bigger thing. So yeah, so it's, yeah. It's, it's still got a, they've got yeah. a sense of the relative. So, yeah, so it's, yeah, it's complicated. You can't just say oh they can't count to ten. No, you know you can't tell the difference between seven and ten. That's not the issue. And and why would they need to? They yeah. they need to be able to distinguish between a large pile of food and a small pile of food mm. or whatever. So, you know, so, so all the things that we sort of think of as marks of intelligence are just not relevant. Yeah. Well, we, we can't mentally sort of conceptualise more than, is it is it five objects in our head? Like if you try yeah. and picture seven green bottles on a wall, you can't do it. No. So you, you cannot get that in your head, which is a really weird thing. And I've really tried to do it. You just can't do it. Yeah. Um, but I think... Like chimps might be able to. Chimps have a sort of weird, like chimps are amazing at certain sort of memory games, like better yeah. than better With than numbers. Humans. So if you yeah, flash yeah. up numbers, yeah. like a six of numbers, are, uh, and they're up really, really quickly. Yeah, there's so a like chimp nine in a numbers. Japanese sort of research facilities. Yeah, and remember, it can no. absolutely yeah. like yeah. nail like memory champions. Yeah. It can just it can just do it somehow, yeah. which is quite cool. And I don't really know why that would have no why that would have evolved, but. It has. It's just you know some quirk of how their brain works. It's to yeah. do with positions and and remembering stuff yeah. in in a way that's sort of better than us. But yeah. at the same time, you know, like you can't get animals to do certain things involving numbers. No, you know, for obvious reasons. It's like yeah. why why would they? Numbers yeah. are a made yeah. up thing. You yeah, know, they're a thing that we've made up effectively. Yeah, and 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 it's the same as I mean, I'm sure you've had this with um with your dog. I used to have it with my cat where, and this is getting onto that sort of animal communication that we've talked about before, but where absolutely the dog or the cat is trying to say something to you and you have no idea what it's trying to say. Yeah. And that might be frustrating for, for the for the cat or dog. And maybe the cat or dog is thinking, well, you're a fucking idiot. I'm being very, <laughs> I've said this a thousand yeah, times yeah, now yeah. and you still don't get it. Yeah. Um, so you have to kind of you know bear that in mind. But back on the, the these tests that we do try and do to try and come up with kind of comparative measures of intelligence across across species so we look at self-control as i said self-awareness yeah which is an interesting one and then memory right so so self-awareness is the mirror mirror test test. so someone came up with this test that was really sort of um people really seized upon as being like incredible so so the way it works is you 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 get your test subject and then you put a, a mark so a red red mark or something on its face uh so when it looks in the mirror it can see the red mark on on the the image's face and then does it then go to touch the okay, area on yeah, its yeah. face does it understand that it is looking at a reflection of its of itself and i, I mean i i just think that again that is flawed because maybe a chimp does touch that area. But maybe if you do that with an elephant, 
an elephant is so used to getting crap on its <laughs> yeah, face, yeah, it just yeah. doesn't care. Yeah, it's like yeah. not, or, or, or like a parrot or something. Yeah. They're just like, you know, oh yeah, when I when I feed, I get stuff all over me. Like it's no, it's no big deal. I'm not going to suddenly like panic because I've got a splodge on. So me. it doesn't, it, yeah. it, it doesn't. It, so an elephant or a parrot or whatever failing that mirror test does not mean that it doesn't realise that it's looking at an image of itself. Yeah. You, you just can't draw any particular conclusion. Also, I mean, isn't the fact that we're dealing with a mirror, which is a humanly constructed thing, yeah, that, I mean, I guess you could argue that they could look into a water surface. Yeah, look surface. into a water surface, yeah. yeah. But it just feels quite artificial. It's mm. like, is that really a test of whether it knows itself or not? I mean, yeah. I know it's the sort of best we can come up with, but... Yeah. It doesn't seem without its problems. But, uh, I mean, a lot of animals, when confronted with a mirror, will think that that is another animal to interact yeah. with, which yeah. is a perfectly reasonable thing yeah. to think. It will try and go around the back of the mirror, like inspect the mirror, try and work out where the animal is. Like yeah. it's sort of all, all uh, yeah, all, all perfectly sort of logical steps I said to try and ascertain yeah. what's going on. I mean, you're not going to look at an animal that's doing that and say, you dumb fuck. No, 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 not at all. Yeah, yeah. So that is yeah, that, that's a legitimate like an approach. intelligent way yeah. to... to, yeah, yeah, to try and assess the situation. The yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, the, the, the way that it's kind of regarded is that it's a sort of indication of the sort of rudimentary concept of identity yeah yeah okay and i and i I, I, it's okay but i think it's i think it's not everything is it no no and then you've got the 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 pointing test which i mentioned before which is you know you kind of you put food under one tub and the animal knows it's there and then you 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 put the, the the tubs back and you've put it the food under another tub and you point at that at that one and if the animal goes to that you're like ah you're you're smart but again, pointing, like, it's just meaningless. Yeah. Here's an interesting thing. With Rafi, my dog, mm-hmm. she um, sometimes won't take food from our hands because, I don't know, maybe something on our hands like smells of soap or, or it doesn't smell right. And what we've noticed, or Philippa noticed this first, and I'm still not convinced it's true, but it's almost like she looks down at the floor, like you mm. see her nose go towards the floor, and it's like she's saying, drop it on the floor and I'll eat it. And so you drop it on the floor and she eats it, but she won't take it from your hand. Now, I'm wondering, is she saying drop it on the floor by sort of pointing with her nose mm-hmm. towards the floor? Because, you know, you can't point and have her follow like my hand direction. But if my hand moves in a certain direction, she'll pay attention because I might have just thrown something. Yeah. yeah. And so it's I, just movement. That's yeah, yeah. And yeah. movement obviously yeah. gets her attention. Mm. But I don't know whether a dog is capable of pointing mm. at the floor with the nose uh, as a kind of means of like, I'm not having that from your smelly hand, but put it... Well, I suppose the other explanation would be she likes to eat stuff off the floor, so she's just sort of looking down to see if the food is going to be there. Slightly different to telling you about it. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. We're still still working with this experiment. I'll, I'll report yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do, do. <laughs> um, the, the other big issue with, with these tests is just sample size. Like, most of them are... are done with so few animals that yeah and what if you've got any, the dumb ones yeah and really hard to know <laughs> yeah yeah um and i and actually there's a bunch of clever crows in the corner going pick me pick me yeah 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 but imagine that you you did an you did an experiment with a hypothetical uh group of animals and uh you you did 50 of them and only one of them could complete the task in the in the way that you expected yeah. what would your conclusion be that that was a fluke somehow. See, I think my conclusion would be that 
they do have the capability to learn that skill, which is quite interesting. I, I don't but think you then you would then write. Wouldn't them off. you have had to have controlled their environment right from birth so that you know they hadn't learnt this skill somehow somewhere beforehand? Well, that that is because uh, that's another issue. Yeah, isn't yeah, it? yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. This is the whole babies on an island thing, yeah. you know. <laughs> Your dream experiment. <laughs> My dream experiment, <laughs> where you completely control conditions and then you can finally understand what is yeah. natural and what isn't. Yeah, you, you have no idea, but unless unless they're bred in captivity, I suppose, and under very controlled conditions, which yeah. is, yeah. as you say, babies on an island. Um, yeah, you, you don't know where they've picked up behaviours from or what they've learned. What or they've had they've to do in the it. past and yeah. where it works. And, uh, yeah. yeah. All right, so so we've talked about a lot of animals that live in groups or in contact with each other, mm-hmm. um, and I think that kind of affects what we're talking about when we're talking about you know which is more clever than others. But like the octopus lives pretty much on its own, doesn't yeah. it? So it's not communicating, it's not mm. needing to get on with others, mm. but still has a level of intelligence despite being a hermit. Yes. Yeah, so so this the kind of social brain hypothesis, the the idea that actually being a social animal requires you to be smarter because you've got to try and juggle these complex webs and sort of remember that yeah. this individual did that and this individual you can trust and blah blah blah. Um, it's 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 fairly compelling actually, but I don't think it's the only. It's not um, the only route to intelligence. No, no, I, I, I don't think so. Although there is actually, so that, again, I think this is quite small sample size, but it's, but it's still interesting. So, some scientists did experiments with uh, four animals. So it's like a hyena, a lion, a tiger, and another sort of solitary predator. So two, two group animals: the, the hyenas and the, and the lions, and yeah. then two solitary, so a tiger and something else. But crucially, they all inhabit very similar ecological niches. So their environment is the same, pretty much. Yeah. And then they, they, they did a test where you had to sort of, you know, like, I mean, it's always bloody pull a rope, basically, to get your food. <laughs> so pull a rope to open a box yeah. and then there's food yeah. in there. Yeah. Um, and you could smell that the food was in there. And the social animals did markedly better than the, than the solitary animals. So one conclusion could be, oh, so they're a bit smarter. Oh, maybe that's because they live in live in groups. But then it could equally be just that they're a bit more confident almost because they so they're more likely to sort of explore and feel like they've got the yeah. backing of their of their of their mates so yeah. they can go and have a look at something. Whereas a solitary animal, it might just be a bit riskier. Also, again, these are all predators and it doesn't really have anything to do with predation. So why would they be yeah. particularly good at it? But it might tell you something. And there's a great um, study with geese, I think, where if you monitor the heart rate of geese, their heart rate reduces, so they're calmer when they're near their kin. So yeah. just being around their relative uh, geese, they're just like, I'm cool, I'm happy. Yeah, yeah. And so maybe if you're if you're calmer, you're more likely to, you know, be a bit bold. Yeah. Yeah. Possibly. I can understand that. I mean, that's yeah. that sense of like, you know, you can just focus on the task at hand. You're yeah. not worried about like what well, might be coming around the yeah, corner. Because or you're, else. Yeah, because someone else will alert you if there's a problem. Yeah. Whereas if you're, yeah. if you're a solitary guy, it's very much down to you yeah. to be aware of any And any your attention has to be yeah. in many places at once. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but back to, the, back to the octopus, which as you rightly point out, is smart and has 
I mean, virtually no. I mean, there's a, there's a little bit of social interaction, but essentially they're solitary. Yeah. And yet smart, which is sort of a bit of a conundrum. Now, clearly you've heard me talk uh, at length about why octopus intelligence is different to human intelligence. So I thought I'd give Marta a go as well. <laughs> so cephalopods are, are mollusks. They're invertebrate animals. But unlike other mollusks, like snails and slugs, the octopus and the cuttlefish are neurologically and behaviorally quite complex. So other cognitively complex animals, like chimpanzees, diverged from humans about five to seven million years ago, and they share a very similar neural structure to humans. But cephalopods and humans diverged 600 million years ago. So that's five to seven million years compared to 600 million years ago. So both humans and cephalopods have come a long way since diverging. They've evolved independently for a very long time. So if the octopus is intelligent, and we have reasons to think it is because it is good at solving problems and behaves flexibly, then its intelligence is going to look very different than human intelligence. And just to point to one major way that octopus cognition differs from human cognition, they have a large distributed nervous system uh, with multiple centralized brains rather than just one central nervous system, which is what humans have. Um, and then each arm of the octopus is controlled by a nervous system that seems to act relatively independently of the octopus's other centralized nervous systems. And each arm is incredibly flexible. Uh, it can bend in any direction and at any point along its length. So it has... Um, yeah, it can move in incredibly complex ways. Um, and some people think that the octopus switches back and forth, I think this is really cool, between peripheral arm control and more like integrated or arm control. So it seems that sometimes it actually lets its arm explore uh, with a mind of its own, and that sometimes it actually reins it in. And its arm is incredibly sensitive, so it has millions of tactile and chemical sensors. And then one more thing about the octopus that is very strange is it has light sensors all over its body, like on its skin. And so some people think like maybe it actually sees in some way with its whole body. And the point here is just that octopuses are very strange. And so whatever intelligence they do have, whatever they actually experience is going to be very different from anything that humans experience. You have bored me for hours and hours about <laughs> octopuses. And I don't remember you ever telling me that the arms can like do stuff independently. I've told you that. They're like semi-autonomous. Well, obviously you knew it. I don't remember you telling me. Maybe I'd switched off by this point. You. Yeah, 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 that's possible. It just bored me into they, submission. They kind of do like their own thing. Down. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. If you, and this is horrible... But if you cut an octopus's, uh, one of its limbs off, yeah, that limb will sort of continue moving around. And if there's food nearby, it will, it will sort of grab the food and then sort of try and pass it towards where its mouth would have been. Oh, no. Which is heartbreaking. That is a heartbreaking yeah. sight. Oh, that, yeah. yeah, okay. But no, it's sort good. of... They, they, I can't they, believe I'm still learning octopus yeah, facts after all these years. Because its brain is distributed through its entire body, but not... It, it's just, they're, they're very, very odd. They're so there odd. is absolutely no way in hell you can say compare an octopus's intelligence to a crow's intelligence. It just I, can't I, be done. I, I, I don't think so. I mean, it's hard enough comparing a crow's intelligence to 
a chimp's intelligence to a human's intelligence. Um, so, you know, one of the things that we try and look at, and again, the octopus just d- defies this really, is you look at brain size and you think, okay, is is brain size the thing here? Is it just the more neurons you have, the smarter you're going to be? There is an element of that, but then there is also this sort of thing of like the ratio of your brain size to your body size. Yeah, yeah. Um, that seems to be significant. But even that doesn't so doesn't tell you everything. So the biggest brains are like in in you know like a whale, yeah, like an eight kilo brain. Yeah. But then it's got a huge body, so it's it's brain to body ratio is actually pretty small. Yeah, um, ours is quite big for our for our body size. But when you look at the areas of our brain that seem to give rise to higher thought and the stuff that we really kind of prize, and then you look at a bird's brain, like a, 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 a like a crow's brain, you're just like, well, this 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 guy's not going to be able to do this because it hasn't got anything yeah, like that. Yeah. And yet, it can do some of that stuff. And so it looks like how densely packed and how interconnected the neurons are is also a factor. So it's it's definitely not as simple as just saying the bigger the brain, the more neurons you, you, you've got, the smarter you're going to be. There yeah. is a relationship, but it isn't just, it isn't just it's that. It's not even just like body to brain ratio. No. Nothing. No. All right. No. So so given that, and I still think, I have to say, I think humans are the most intelligent species of animal. Even yeah, that, yeah, I, 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 yeah. I think it would be hard to argue against that. Yeah. But, um, but given that, what what's, what's in the top five in other animals? So I'm saying... Crows, right. definitely. Just that they can, so yeah, they can solve puzzles as well as five-year-old children. Yeah, for example. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, should we? That is a classic uh, case of um, us valuing things that we value and that we measure our own intelligence. But still, it's kind of cool, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think dolphins are probably right. Probably going to be in there. The fact that they've They've got names for each other. They can remember seemingly. They've met a dolphin twenty years ago. They'll remember meeting that dolphin. Like they'll behave differently towards That's that cool. towards that dolphin. Very cool. I think elephants are probably okay. probably in there. Yeah. I mean, I'm slightly concerned that <laughs> with all of this, it's just sort of these animals are all doing things that are slightly human like. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. That is the issue. Like. Exactly as I imagined. I think it's a bad question I've asked. <laughs> okay, I, I think you can only really look at how effective the animal's cognition is within its niche. Yeah, okay. And comparing is 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 difficult. So elephants are really good at being elephants. Y- yeah, if, and, effectively, and, and, yeah. And they, they, yeah. They, they problem yeah. solve within their own yeah. sphere yeah. in a really interesting way. Yeah. yeah. I suppose the, the big shout out I would give... The octopus, of course, because yeah. the octopus just has this sort of weird alien intelligence that is just is totally different to ours yeah, yeah. and much harder to test and access, and that's just cool. But birds are probably the ones that I'd sort of flag and saying these guys get underestimated quite a lot, and they, these guys are smart. Like cockatoos can do some some mad stuff where they'll figure out a sort of five part sequence to, to get some food and then if you change that sequence yeah. they'll be like okay yeah fine and yeah. they'll and they'll, they'll change it and that that feels just sort of instinctively that feels quite clever and like you wouldn't really expect a bird to be able to do yeah it, yeah quite like yeah it's interesting I, I sort of going back to what we were talking about before i wonder how what i would be capable of if i was actually motivated to solve puzzles like if i get a puzzle for christmas or something, or something like that mm-hmm, somebody mm-hmm. gives me a puzzle it's like 
that's not what I want and I will chuck it. I mean, don't ever give me like a puzzle to solve for Christmas or birthday. But if if like my family's like welfare depended on it, I guess I might bother. Like in a lot of cases, these animals is just why would they be interested? Like it's not it's not important to them. It doesn't feature in their lives. So bore off. <laughs> and I, oh yeah, I suppose if you give me food, I might try and do yeah, it. But yeah. it's not relevant to my life. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's quite interesting, isn't it? Because you apply intelligence in an intelligent way. It's like if it's not worth, yeah, puzzling over, then don't bother. Yeah, if it's not ecologically significant to you. Like why? Yeah. All right. So obviously, um, you know, you think this is a bad question, but I still want to know what Marta made of it. Okay. Animals are intelligent in many different and fascinating ways. Jays have incredible memories. Crows are excellent problem solvers. Uh, chimpanzees have photographic memory. And octopuses have an alien intelligence that we do not understand. And in addition to this, we're learning about new things about animal cognition and behavior every day. So I think that any attempt to rank the diverse intelligences we find on Earth and trying to figure out what the most intelligent animals are is um, really an unproductive exercise. Now, one might say that aren't humans the most intelligent animal overall? So we are certainly good at a great many things, but we also have many limitations that other animals don't have. And as we learn more about animal intelligence, I personally think that we'll appreciate more fully that we're one intelligent creature among a vast many. You can imagine an octopus saying, what, you've got one brain like in one part of your body? Yeah. Really? Well done. Yeah. <laughs> so what, you have to tell your arm what to do? Yeah, oh yeah. my God. <laughs> what, if you just chop your arm off, it like just like it lies there, does nothing. Wow. Okay. And how are you coping with that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Eureka is a stack production presented by Dr. Michael Brooks and Rick Edwards. The production team is Temi Adebayo, Katie Baxter, Luke Moore and Charlie Morgan. Sound design by Katie Baxter. Special thanks to today's expert, Dr. Marta Helena. Please subscribe and rate wherever you listen to your podcast. It does make a massive difference. We also really love hearing from you guys. So if you have any burning questions you want us to answer, drop us an email at eureka at stack.london or you can find us, as always, on Twitter at EurekaPod. Eureka is a Stack production and part of the ACAST Creator Network.